Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Open in our Bibles. We'll start here and then we'll just let her go. Romans chapter 1 and verse 7. How many of you know, as the song just said, that the story of redemption is the greatest love story that was ever told? How many of you know that? God so loved the world. I like to say it like this. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever, I'm glad I'm a whosoever tonight, aren't you? Believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God who is rich in mercy for His great love. I like to say it like that. Great Love put Tony the Tiger out of business. Great love wherewith he loved us. As a matter of fact, he wanted to show that love unto us so bad, so full of that love that he sent Jesus down here to let us know how much he loves us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God commended His love towards us in that while we were enemies of God, foreigners and strangers, He sent His Son. Hallelujah. To let us know how much He, the Father, God of love, the Creator of all the universe, the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that are in them is and you and me, cares for us and loves us. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father... We delight ourselves in you, and we delight ourselves in life in abundance. We thank you for your precious holy word. We thank you, dear Father, for the Holy Ghost and the anointing that's upon the word. And I thank you that that same anointing is upon our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to be open to receive from thy precious holy word. And I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel, to bring honor, praise, and glory unto you, and that power may be demonstrated, dear Father God, in the name of Jesus, to turn back the powers of darkness and bring us all into the light of the gospel of our Lord and Savior. Now, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, 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 Amen. Praise God. Well... God's dealings with mankind is motivated by love. Everything that He does and sets out to do in connection with man upon this earth is an act of love. Because, you see, God is love. God doesn't have love. He is love. Love is not a, an emotion. Love is a person. God is love. You want to get to know God? Get to know love. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, didn't he? Well, how are you going to follow somebody that you don't see? Well, be followers of God as dear children and walk in love. God is love. Love is God unveiled. Love brings God out into the open where he can be seen. And when you find out what agape love is and you know what agape love is and you begin to act that out in your own life, then you begin to act like God. You begin to walk like God. You begin to talk like God because you're talking love. You're walking love. You're acting love. Love is God unveiled or unfolded or brought out into the open where He can be seen, brought out into visibility so we can see Him. Now, when you can see Him, then you can walk and follow Him. Amen? God is love. And that redemption story is the greatest love story that was ever told. And that's why it is of utmost importance for believers tonight that we all are rooted and grounded in God's love. Love, agape love, divine love is the door to revelation. If you don't walk in love, if you don't understand love, you never understand God, you never know the plan of God. Jesus himself said in John 14, 21, he that had my commandments and keepeth them, he's loved me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my father and will come unto him 
I'll come unto him and manifest myself to him. Keeping his word means he's going to come to us and unveil himself to us or manifest himself to us or unfold himself to us or reveal himself unto us. Why? Because we have his commandments, we keep them and walk in his love. Can you imagine what it really means to have the Father love you? Can you imagine the depth of what it means to have God, the creator of the universe, to actually set his love upon you as an individual person and us as a collective body of Christ upon this earth? I don't think our minds have yet begun to understand what that really means. I mean God loving you. I know what it means to have my wife love me. My wife loves me and she does for me. And I tell you what, I just bless the Lord for my lovely wife. She's just, as far as I'm concerned, the best. Amen? As far as I'm concerned. You know, just like Adam, when he saw you, there wasn't anybody else to see. <laughs> well, as the lily is among the thorns, so is my love among the daughters. To me, I see her alone. See? And her beauty. And I mean, she's just a virtuous woman. And she gives herself unto the Lord. And of course, she sets her love upon me. And I'll tell you what, I just rejoice in that. And I know what it means. You know, I really know what it means when my little Jason runs up to me and throws in his arms around me. I'll tell you what, if he gets any stronger, you people have to be praying for me, at least for my neck, anyhow. You know, one day we're just walking inside the store, you know, pick me up, Daddy. Okay, pick him up. Give me a hug, Jason. Okay. Crunch. I said, oh. <laughs> I know what it means to have Jason set his love upon me. You know, man, when he gives you a hug, it's a hug. You know you've been hugged. And I know what it means to set my love upon my wife. To care for her. To provide for her. Of course, I don't really think we understand the depths of, of the love between a man and his wife. You know, at least not while we're in these bodies of ours. But we have an idea. I think it only can be compared to what Paul said. It's like the head and the body. The relationship between a man and his wife is like the relationship between a man's head and his body. He's the head and she's the body. There's such unity there. There's such oneness there. I mean, the impulses come from the brain and send, you know, signals throughout the entire nervous system to make the body do whatever it's going to do. And we don't stop to think about how those impulses are coming from the brain so quickly to provide nourishment, to care for, to protect the body. You go to touch a stove and, you know, you feel it, it's hot. Well, the signal came from the brain and we move the hand away just like that. Such unity, such harmony between the head and the body. Well, so is the relationship between a man and his wife. So close, so one, that it only can be compared to, in this round, Paul said, to a man's relationship with his head and his body. And so a man who loves his wife loves his own body. Cares for it, nourishes it, cherishes it. You see that? And he says, that's the same kind of relationship we have with Christ, between Christ and the church. And we thank him for that. But this evening, I believe the Lord must be going this direction. We want to begin to see how the Father has set his love upon us. How we have become children of a loved God who loves us so dearly, so intimately, so personally, that he cares about even the hairs that are upon our head. You think about that. You think about how important we are to Him. How much value and meaning our life really has. That He is so concerned about us individually. He says, I've numbered the hairs that are upon your head. And I've called you by your name. You belong to me. Can you imagine what it would mean to us to understand the depths of His love for us? Can you imagine that? Well, I want us to see something here in Romans chapter 1, in verse 7. To all that be in Rome. See, these introductions, sometimes we don't take time to look at them. But I want you to see this verse. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God. I want you to circle that word, beloved. Or underline it. If you write in your Bible. If you don't... Get a new one. <laughs> one that you could write in. Hallelujah. It says, Beloved of God. The word beloved means dearly loved. 
dearly loved, dearly loved of God, beloved of God, dearly loved of God. Now you hold that thought and find Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 1 and verse 4. We'll begin reading there. According, well, let's start, let's go back up to verse 3 because we'll tie that in right now. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. Circle those two words, in love. having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Circle that expression, to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Underline that last expression, accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. I want you to notice here that the Apostle Paul, writing to that church at Ephesus by the Spirit, said that God has made you to be accepted in the dearly loved ones of God. You know, there's a lot of things that people would do just to become accepted either in, well, let's say like a fraternity or just in a group, you know. And especially in fraternities, there's a lot of things that people do in the extremes that they go to just so they can be accepted in that particular fraternity. There's a lot of things uh, you might have to go to to become, you know, involved in, let's say, something like the fraternal order of police. Or if he, I was involved in belonging to the musicians' union, and it's just, some, just like something like the same thing. You have to pay your dues, but you belong. You're accepted. And I don't care who you are. Every individual wants to be accepted somewhere by someone. There are those that quit their jobs because they're not accepted by the people who they work with for whatever reason. There are children that leave their homes because they feel they're not accepted in the sight of their parents. There are also wives that feel they're not accepted by their husbands. And so the marital relationship is not what God intends for it to be. There are those that feel they're not accepted where they go to church. They want to be accepted. They want to feel accepted. They want to be a part of something. That's going on. See, life is built upon relationships. Relationships are built on love. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to have others love them and accept them and appreciate them and consider them to be of worth, of value. Consider their life to be meaningful, to share in life, to share the joys of life together. And all this is great. I tell you what, if we all here just got an invitation from the presidents of the United States of America and says, come on down and live with me in the White House, you're all accepted. Probably feel pretty good about that. Said, but Mr. President, we've got to work. Forget about it. Well, government will take care of your life. It's enticing. But what are we going to do? Just come and pal around with me? Wherever I go, I want you to come with me. You're my family. You belong with me. I accept you. I don't know how much of a you know, higher honor you can have in this life, but I'll tell you what. Paul said by the Spirit that by virtue of our new birth, by being born again of the Spirit into the love family 
of God, the Father giving birth to us by His own will, the Father has made us to be accepted in the fraternal order of dearly loved ones. God, Father, dearly loves you. God the Father dearly loves me. Can you imagine that? I don't believe we've seen the depth of it because he said in Ephesians chapter 3 that you would know the length, the breadth, the depth, the height to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. We've not yet begun to see the depths of God's love for his children. He dearly loves you. You are accepted. And what, that, what does that word beloved mean? Dearly loved of God. What does that mean? To be dearly loved of God. Go on back with me to the book of Deuteronomy. And chapter 7. When God dealt with Adam in the beginning, He introduced Adam to a love plan. He set love forth in motion like a circle. And he brought forth out of his innermost being his love plan. He put man in the garden, situated him there and said, I place before you life and death. I give you a love plan. You could partake of that tree and live forever. You could partake of that tree. And when you do, thou shalt surely die. I've given you every good thing. I've provided for your every need. All you need to do is love me. I love you. But because I've given you what is called free will moral agency, I can't just let you or just thrust you right into the fullness of this plan. I'm going to give you a period of time, a time period, whereby you can make a decision whether or not you want to set your love upon me. And they took that period of time and they made their decision. They used what is called their free will moral agency and they did not choose to follow the plan of God, God's love plan. And you know the story. They fell. But God still so loved the world that even though they fell, even though they committed high treason, even though they separated themselves from the life and nature of God their Father, God still so loved the world that He set that love, just continued that love in motion. God so loved the world that He saw a man by the name of Abraham and said, Abraham? And Abraham said, Yep, here I am. He says, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I'll make my covenant between you and me. I'm going to set my love upon you. I'm going to multiply. I'm going to bless you. And your seed shall be as the stars in the sky and as the sand upon the seashore. Back to love again. Because I just love man so much I want to do something for him. Well, you know the story. The nation of Israel was birthed out of that. And in Deuteronomy chapter 7, going down to verse 6, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord your God. The Lord your God hath chosen you to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Did The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you. He loves you. See, God loves so much. He couldn't sit back and watch man be destroyed. So he endeavors to set that love back into the earth by first calling a man and then, of course, a nation. And setting that nation apart unto himself to bring his love plan in its perfection or fullness into this earth. And he tells them, look, I'm setting my love on. I called you because I love you and I want to love you. I want you to let me love you. That's what he's saying to these people. And then he goes on to say, And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn to your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. 
Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that circle these two words. Love him. That love him. And keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Notice, keep his commandments. But in verse 10, and repayeth them that hate him. Notice this. To their face. To destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore it shall come to pass if you hearken to these judgments and keep and do them that the Lord your God shall keep unto you the covenant and the mercy which he swear unto your fathers and he will love thee. Circle that. This is an idea. This is an example of what it means to be loved by God. I don't just mean in word form. I mean in deed and in truth. I mean in reality. I mean God really loving you. Being allowed to love you. To love me as an individual. As a church body. This is just an example of what it means to have God's love and manifestation in your individual life and of course as a corporate body. Look at what it says. I'll love you Bless thee, multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, thy corn, thy wine, thine oil, the increase of thine kind, and the flocks of thy sheep in the land which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee. Thou shalt be blessed. I want you to notice that blessings are the result of God's love being set upon us. Thou shalt be blessed because He loves you. He is actively loving you means you are blessed. Alright? Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle and the Lord will take away from thee all sickness. Some sickness? Huh? Some sickness? All sickness. And will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. I want you to notice that all those blessings named there, all that he said right there, they are the result of God loving you. People today say, well, how do I know God wants to heal me? It's... We should say it like this. Does God love me? If God loves you, healing is a part of that love. If God loves you, if we could determine that factor, if we could come to that conclusion, if we could understand that, that God loves me, healing is not even a question. Do you see that? I don't have to question whether or not my wife would attend to me if I hurt myself. I don't have to question that. I don't have to question whether or not my wife would come to my aid if I needed her. Not at all. My child would never have to question whether or not I would go to him or her if they were in trouble and had need. No question. Why? Because I love them. And because I love them, I give myself to them to care for them, to provide for them all that they need. That is in me as a father. That's in you as a parent. 
And it doesn't matter what it is. And it doesn't matter what they've done. If they are hurting and they are in need, and if that need is physical and you had the ability, how many of you, if you were a parent that had the ability to heal your child, would you do it? Or would you rather see them suffer? You would do it because you love them. Because you care for them. You see, the blessing of healing and divine health is the result of God loving you. If we could determine whether or not God loves us, then the question of our being healed is answered. It no longer becomes a question. If we could figure this out, does He really love me? Well, I want you to know that when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you accepted God's plan of love. You entered into the stream of God's love plan. And by accepting Jesus Christ, we all became loved children of a loved God who cares for us, who loves us intimately and personally with great love. That love is so great that it's actually beyond our ability to comprehend in our natural mind. His love is so overwhelming that we've yet to begin to scratch the surface of the depths of that love for a human race. And then if we could say that God so loved a world, a world that was, you know, in direct opposition to His plan, a world that hated Him, a world that didn't care about Him, a world that didn't give Him the time of day, if He could so love the world that He would send the provision of Christ to the world to redeem the world from sin and from death, if He has that much love that He would introduce that love to the world by sending Jesus to die for us, Oh, the three words that ring out inside my spirit, how much more? Now that we've been reconciled unto Him by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, how much more is His love actively working within us to bless us? How much? What did Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 say? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath, who hath, who hath blessed us with all. I want you to notice, He hath blessed us with all. All what? Spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without spot before Him in love. He has made us accepted in the Beloved we are accepted as the dearly loved ones of God. And the blessings that we see here, which are provisions that He made for the Israelites, if these provisions, as far as He was concerned, was good enough for them because they were under the first covenant, how much more being under a better covenant, established upon better promises, can we expect God to do for us, including everything that's written right here and then more? I want you to notice, he says, I'll take all sickness and disease away from your midst to these people. They had the potential as a nation to walk free from sickness and free from disease by keeping the covenant that God made with them. Just by knowing they were blessed of God and God has set His love upon them. Can you imagine that? If they had the potential to do that under the first covenant, how much more should we, as born-again, spirit-filled, blood-washed believers that have the love of God... Now, this is almost too hard to grasp. Shed abroad. They didn't have that under that covenant. The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Spirit that was given unto us. And the blessings of Abraham have come upon us because we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus, accepted as the dearly loved ones of God in the Father's family of love, and God's love is being overwhelmed, overwhelmingly poured out unto every one of his children.
Can you imagine the, the depth of that? I don't believe our heads could understand it. Does God want to heal me? That's not the issue. Does God love you? That's the issue. If He loves you, consider yourself healed. If He loves you. Well, look at... Uh, go, can you find Deuteronomy chapter 10? Can you imagine what it would mean if every husband that's a born-again believer, every husband committed himself to loving his wife as Christ loved the church without reservation. Can you imagine what it would be like if every wife committed herself to love her husband with agape love? Can you imagine what it would be like in every church, in every assembly, if the man poured his love to the, upon the wife, the wife poured her love upon the husband, and they both were flowing with divine agape love, and the children joined in, and they likewise entered into that realm of walking in this kind of love. Can you imagine what kind of atmosphere we would be living in and walking in here upon this earth? There would never be a divorce in the body of Christ. I said it before, I'll say it again. If, if the two people were walking in God's love, there never would be a divorce in the body of Christ. Two born-again believers that are walking in God's love will never, ever, ever end up in a divorce court. Now, they have the love of God, but if they don't let the love of God dominate them, then, of course, they, they could enter into that. But, you see, if God's love is upon you and you're walking in that, in light of it, and manifesting that in your relationship, there's no possible way that divorce could ever come in. God's love is to rule our hearts. We're to be rooted and grounded in that love. We love Him because He first loved us. And because His love is upon us, we have the ability to love somebody else. In this scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to the, to fear the Lord your God, underline that, to walk in all His ways, and to love Him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. To keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God. The earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had the delight in thy fathers. Now notice this again. To love them. To love them. And He chose their seed after them. Even you above all people as it is this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt fear the Lord your God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave, and swear by his name. He is your praise, he is your God, he hath done for thee great, the, these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons, and now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven or multitude. Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep His charge and His statutes and His judgments and His commandments. And then he just goes on talking about how all I want you to do is to love me, Israel. All I want you to do is just set your love upon me. I want you to know that I love your fathers. 
I want you to know that I set this plan in motion because I love them. I want you to know that I love you because I made an oath between myself and your fathers. I swore to them that I would continue my love even unto you, the children. I would show them you mercy. I would give unto you the blessings that I swore to give to your fathers. I would take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. I will provide for you every good thing. I'll take sickness and disease away from your midst. I'll lift you up on high. I'll make the peoples of the world to be jealous of you. I'll give you honey out of the rock. I'll provide food for your sustenance. I'll give you every good thing because I, the Lord God Almighty of the universe that made the heavens and the earth and the sea, I love you. That's what he's saying to them. That's what he's inferring or implying. All that is because he loves them. But he says, all I want you to do is just love me. Just set your love upon me so that I can do this for you. Now, I want you to go back with me into the New Testament. Into the book of Ephesians in chapter 3. Now, I quoted this to you before, but I want you to see the Scripture again. We accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, and we were born again into a love family. God's ultimate goal and desire is to lavish His people with all the love that He possesses with Himself. Just to, just to put that love, overwhelm us with that love upon us, in us, and through us. God wants to come down upon this earth and just be the love God of the, of the earth and of the world. As a matter of fact, read the back of the book. You're not going to have any need of light or warmth because the Lord your God is going to be in the midst of you loving you. Isn't that how it ends? See, that's his desire. That's what he wants. That's his plan. That's how it's going to end. And he's going to show throughout the eternal ages the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. In other words, he's, his love is just going to shine from his spirit right on through everybody that cleaves unto him. And that's why we're here upon this earth to, to make that decision to set our love upon him. But I want you to see this here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you. Notice that we're in the family. We are in the love family of God. Upon this earth, of course, it's in heaven also. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your man. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That you, the believer, would be rooted and grounded in love. This divine love. How important is the root system of a plant? What does that root system provide for that plant? Everything. Life. Nourishment. Absorption. Water. Aeration. Everything that is vital to life. And he's saying, I want my children that are in this love family to be rooted and grounded in this love. I want them to be founded upon love. I want them grounded in love. I want their life based upon love. I want love in them, on them, through them, just flowing out of them. I want love to be the issue of their life. That's what he's saying. I want them to study love. I want them to learn love. I want them to know love. I want them to breathe love. I want them to walk in love. I want them to act in love. I want them to perfect love in their lives. I want love to be the motivating force of their life and their entire being. He wants us rooted and grounded in love. Why? So that we're able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, the height to know the endless boundaries of the love of Christ. The believer today does not know the depths of the love of Jesus Christ as of yet. I don't believe the average... I know it. I know it for a fact. The believer does not know the depths of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. We've not yet begun to scratch the surface of how much love Jesus has for the world and for mankind and for us as believers when He gave His life for us. I don't believe we began to see the depths of His suffering upon that cross. I don't believe that the average believer has an understanding of this. Yes, He died for us on that cross and we take it so lightly. Yes, He shed His blood and we thank God for that. But brothers and sisters, I believe if we could see in the spirit realm, that would be the only way we could have possibly seen what He actually did for us in His suffering. And if we got a glimpse of what He did in what He suffered for us, 
I believe it would make a flaming evangelist out of every individual. I believe you'd be melted into love's melting pot. And I believe you couldn't, you couldn't possibly stand just to know just how much He suffered for you. I believe we'd wake up our, we'd wake up every morning and open up our eyes and just lift our voice unto God and say, Oh, I'm just so grateful. Oh, I'm just so appreciative. I just thank you so much. You didn't let me go to hell, but you suffered. You suffered for me so that I need not go there. Oh, if our eyes could see that. We make issues out of things like healing. We make issues out of things like, Can I believe God for this? So we make issues of, Oh, will He provide that $10 that I need? Beloved, those things, if you understand the depth of God's love for you, they're nothing. They're nothing. Healing is nothing. I mean, what Jesus bore for us on that cross, what He suffered in spirit for us, believe me, the things that we need in this life, nothing to believe God for. That's why we've not understood how, how faith works. Because we've not understood love. And faith works by what? By love. He wants every believer to, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. For what purpose, Paul? So that we could be filled with all the fullness of God. You know what that's saying? We grow in love. We grow in God. The more we comprehend love, the more we comprehend God. The more we understand God, or the love of love, the more we understand God, the more we're filled with God. The more we're filled with love or full of love, the more we're filled up with God and full of God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. You might be born again, but you don't know God. He that loveth knows God. He's born of God and he understands and knows God. And the more we understand love, beloved, the more we know God and the more God that's living and dwelling and abiding inside of us. His abode in us is an abode of love. Well, he goes on to say here, and this is what I need to get to. In the next chapter, Paul talks about the body of Christ. He talks about our position in the body of Christ. And he goes on to say here that in verse 2 of chapter 4, with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit as you are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. And what he's saying, this is a love family of a love God. He has shed that love abroad our hearts. His love is poured out unto us. The, the length, the breadth, the depth, the height of it. It is just overwhelming us. It's hovering over us. It is in us. It is through us. It is upon us. And he says, I want all my children to be in, in that melting pot of love. I want all of them to begin to understand the depths of love. I want them to forget about themselves. I want them to destroy selfishness in their lives. I want them to put away, you know, looking out for their own good or gain. And I want them to begin to pursue the depths of love. I want them to begin to understand what it means to lay your life down for somebody so that they can understand what I did for them. Then he says, I want them to, to lay down their lives for one another and let that love just ooze out of them until it actually, just like molasses, just, just sticks to everybody else that's around you. I want it to ooze out of your pores. I want, it to, I want you to provoke one another in love. I want it to flow out of, of you and let it touch every member that's in the body. And then he goes on to say that, that God set up the body in a certain way. And he says the way he designed it or the way he set it up was according to his plan and according to Jesus. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the the body of Christ, till we all come into the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man, the message of the fullness of Christ. That we what? Henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro by everyone doctrine and all that. But in verse 15 of chapter 4, it says, But speaking the truth in love. But speaking the truth in what? May grow up unto Him in how many things? In what? See, He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, with all spiritual blessings. He wants us to grow up into Christ in all things. And you can't do that without speaking the truth in what? From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. And He's talking about love's flow. He wanted love to flow from Moses, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses, the children of Israel. He wanted love to just flow. He wanted them 
people to know that He loved them and cared for them and didn't want them sick and diseased and didn't want them poor or poverty-stricken. He didn't want them without children. He didn't want them without, you know, provision upon the face of the earth. He wanted them to know that I want to be a, such a God to you and I want to be our Shaddai under you. I want to be everything under you upon this earth. Will you just let me? Will you let me take you to a specific land, Canaan's land, and show you what it means to have the God of the universe to be your partner? That's what He wanted to do. And they wouldn't let Him do it. But He's saying right here, I put together a family of love. I'm setting it up the way I want it to be. I want love to flow from the throne and right on through every member inside the body of Christ until the body is just saturated with this love. And I get you all to a place that you're so full of love that when you gather together under one roof and my love is in manifestation that the anointing and the glory and the power of the living God will be in such demonstration that that love will come upon sick bodies. It'll heal them instantly. It'll come upon blind eyes and open them up without hands being laid on them. Come upon deaf ears and open them up without anybody touching them. Love will be in such manifestation. You're in that Canaan's land and honey is flowing. It's the anointing of God and bodies are being restored. Organs are being recreated because love is flowing from the throne of God into every one of you. That's what he's saying right here. But he's saying it's got to be done according to my design, according to my plan. Love flowing. I want to love you, he's saying. And then he goes on to talk about, you know, the rest of that. Really, he's talking about walking in love. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and do what? Walk in love. Go over to chapter 6 and he tells you about, or chapter 5, verse 21. 5, verse 21. Love does what? Submitting yourselves one to another. I want you to see the latter part of that. In what? In the fear of what? What's the first thing he says I require of you, Israel? That you fear God. And what's he saying here? He's saying my body is designed and set up the way I want it to be. It's according to the pattern that I showed you. It's according to the pattern that I chose for you. And he says I want you to submit yourselves to one another in the fear of God. The first thing he said was fear God and to love Him. Well, submit yourselves one to another then in the fear of God. And then he starts talking about submission. He says, wives, submit yourself to your husbands. So love can flow. Husbands, love your wife. So love can flow. In verse 25, chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents. And then he goes on to say throughout the rest of that chapter, you know, about the rest of your life, your conduct as a believer, love flowing even to where you work, that you work as unto the Lord. Does loving God so much that you do anything for, you know, your employer and vice versa. And then in verse 10 of chapter 6, he says, Now be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Take the shield of faith. Worketh by what? Worketh by what? You see why he's talking about love first? He's talking about love throughout all this. He says faith works by love. Now I want love to reign in your heart, in your life, in every part of your being. Everything you set your hand to do in life, whether it be a husband-wife relationship with your children, where you work, whatever it is, I want love to flow in you and through you and upon you until I can saturate you with myself and just let you be my vessel of love. Then he said, be strong in the Lord. And the power of His might. Take the whole armor of God. Put up the shield of faith. And when the devil fires his darts at you because you're walking in love, you put up that shield of faith and you'll quench it. You'll quench it just like that. Now I want you to turn with me with this understanding and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And the Lord has instructed me to bring this scripture out, out throughout the rest of this week and our Sunday services also. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And verse 30. Verse 30. For this cause. For this cause. For this cause. In the body of Christ, we, we deal with sickness and disease as dealing with symptoms. And I don't know about you, but the Lord has placed it upon my heart to love those that are sick and diseased. And I can't stand to see people with sick bodies. This is something that God put inside of me. I just can't stand it. I hate it. Like I hate sin, I hate sickness and disease also. 
And I'm always looking to find out what I could find out about divine healing. And just this last week, this has just been running through me and like I can't express to you. For this cause, this is the reason right here. For this cause, many are weak, sickly, and die prematurely among you. For this cause, this is the reason why many... He's writing to a carnal church. He's writing to people that are full of strife, envy, and division. That means they're not walking in love. He's walking in the midst of... Or he's talking to people that are not spiritually mature. He says, I can't speak unto you as, as spiritual, only as carnal. There's division, envy, the strife. One's of Apollos, one's of Paul, one's of Cephas, one's of Jesus. Is Christ about it? There's visions among you. There's factions among you. That's what he said to them. He says, you're building uh, wrongly upon the foundation of Christ. He says, there's fornication among you. You don't know what's right, you know, in presenting your body to Christ. You're the temple of God. Don't you realize that? I want to love you. God wants to love you. And then he comes over here and he's talking about how they were taking the Lord's Supper but they weren't discerning the Lord's body. Not only is he talking about the fact that Jesus died for the sickness, but he's talking about the fact that they didn't discern that the body of Christ is a love family upon the earth. They weren't discerning the fact that everyone in that body that they were associated with, the Corinthian church right there, everyone had a proper place in the body and they were to function like God wanted them to function so that God's love can be just over, you know, overwhelming to them. They didn't understand that. And so they still participated in, in breaking bread with one another and fellowshipping and celebrating the Lord's Supper. And he said, this is the cause for many of you being weak, sickly, and dying premature deaths. And when I said that's the cause, he didn't say because you lack faith. He didn't say because you don't understand the, the atonement and how Jesus died for your sicknesses. He said, but this is the cause. Now, you can deal with symptoms, you know, all night long and not get anywhere. You start dealing with the cause, we're going to get somewhere. And he's saying about a corporate body such as ours, is this church right here. And notice that right after he said, you don't discern the Lord's body, and that's why many of you are weak, sickly, and die prematurely. In chapter 12, all he talks about, look at over here. Go on down to verse 12. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. 14, verse 14, for the body is not one. Verse 15, if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? 16, I am not of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye. And right on down, you could read every one of those scriptures. And right on down, everywhere he talks about the body, the body, the body, the body, the body, the body. What's he talking about? They didn't discern the Lord's body. They didn't understand that everybody had a place in the Lord's body. They didn't know where their place was in the Lord's body. They didn't respect each other's office in the Lord's body. They weren't walking as they should be walking as a corporate body so God's love could be upon them. They were trying to usurp authority over another person's position in the body of Christ. One tried to be the eye. The other one wanted to be this. The other one wanted to be that. They wanted to, you know, wanted to show off here. One wanted to prophesy there. One wanted to do this. And that's how they were living their life. That's how their body was functioning. And he says, you've got to discern the Lord's body. Everybody has their proper place. We're one body, yes, but there are different members. There are different parts that, that have different positions and function differently inside that body. And you have to recognize that and begin to allow that body to flow from the head right on through to the toe. So he said, I want to show you the better way. To do what? To discern the Lord's body. How? Now we have that great chapter. 13. And what does he say? Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not agape, I become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and though I have no, have not, have all faith that I can remove mountains and have not love or charity or agape, and I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned. He's talking about this church was doing these things but they weren't discerning the Lord's body. They didn't understand its function in the earth and how God wanted it to function. And you see, because of that, beloved, He said, you're like sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. 
And because you're not rightly discerning my body, he says, many of you are weak, sick, and die. You know what I got to say tonight to all of us? If you rightly discern the Lord's body, you'll be strong, healthy, and live long upon this earth. I don't believe the, the average assembly has understood true body ministry. I don't believe that. We just go to church, you know, and, and say, well, we're supposed to. But you see, we've missed something here. We've missed something here. He's saying, for this cause, there are those that won't get healed yet. Although we believe in healing, and although healing is true, and they have faith to be healed, but why aren't they healed? There's the cause. Not deserting the Lord's body. Not understanding it. But he says, when you do, when you start walking in love. And that's why he said start walking in love. Let love. And then he goes on chapter chapter 14 of the same book and says, follow after charity. Follow after love. Let love be in your midst. Let love rule in your heart. Let love reign over your assembly. Come in with a love attitude. Esteem each other more highly than yourself. Come and fulfill your function or your part or your place in the body. Take your place no matter how small it may seem to be in your life. It doesn't matter. You'll be under the covering of that body. You'll be under the anointing that is there because of love. And you're going to be strong. And you are going to be healthy. And you are going to live long upon this earth. Because you're fearing God and submitting to one another. Beloved, when we get that perfected, when we begin to walk, as, as he's saying right there, we'll, love will be unlimited in this place. Love will be so overwhelming. You know, love is the anointing of God. Love in this place will be so overwhelming. God in this place will be so overwhelming that you'll start to see Him do it. I, I firmly believe this in my heart that we can get to a place of love in this assembly that God will just be loving people out there where they sit and creating body parts and organs that have been removed surgically and, and just putting them back in because that's the kind of God you serve. I mean that. Not because of me or you or anybody else, but because we come together in love, He's going to come down like, like the Shekinah glory did by that anointing and it's just going to manifest itself in this place in such a way, it'll stay here in such a way that He'll actually put His arms and put His hands into the hearts of people that have bad hearts and put new ones in them. I mean that. It'll just be His hand doing it too. Because that's what God wants to do. He says, I want this to be my temple. I want this to be my dwelling place. I want to live and love people. I want to get so strong in your midst that I blow sickness and disease away from the midst of you. And I cause love to rise up inside of you that no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. And when you get together in this place, it'll just be me living in your midst. That's what He's saying. See, there's the individual temple, but there's the corporate body, the corporate temple. Right here. And we're the corporate body, and we have to discern this. I've heard of some, some say, I, I don't go to church much, and I can be just as good of a Christian at home. No, you can't. You're not discerning the Lord's body. You might be the knee. And if you're the knee, you're needed. That's right. It's a love mechanism. And God just wants His love to be so outpoured, to be so overwhelming in our midst that, as I said once again, I don't think our minds could understand it. I don't believe we can comprehend it. He wants to love people back to health. He wants to love minds that have been tormented by the devil. He wants to cause brain cells to be recreated. He wants to cause minds that were tortured and tormented by the devil to be renewed to the life of God. He wants them to be back in a sane mind with the renewal of that mind. And He wants them to begin to serve Him and take their place in society and, and, and just function in the body of Christ as a productive fruit-bearing branch in that vine. Our Father does not want a people to, get, to gather together just so they can come in and say a few prayers and sing a few songs and go home. He wants to have a place for Him to come in by the anointing of His Spirit, by the glory of His power, just like they did in the book of Second Chronicles back there, until the Shekinah glory is so manifested that when the cloud comes down, we can't stand up to minister. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. 
Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.